Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. On today's show, Arsenal proved their worth over in Germany with a hugely impressive comeback against Wolfsburg. Can they do it? Can they reach their first Champions League final since 2007? I mean, I was just 17 back then. I don't want to do that because... People realise how old I am. Okay. Elsewhere in Europe, Chelsea were edged by Barcelona in front of a record crowd at Stamford Bridge, but it's only 1-0. Have they got it in them for that second leg at New Camp? And in news that shook the entire women's football community, we've had another devastating ACL injury. It was an absolute day of mourning. When the news broke, England captain Leah Williamson will miss the remainder of the season and also obviously the World Cup. Why does this keep happening and what can we do about it? Rach, uh, how was your weekend? Where have you been? You've been back to good old-fashioned VW Capital. Wolfsburg. Again. Again, for the fifth time for me, seven times for Sophie, because for some reason Chelsea and Arsenal always, always, always Death taxes and an English team drawing Wolfsburg in the Champions League knockout mm. stages are the guarantees in life. Okay. Well, I mean, I've heard Wolfsburg's a really pretty city. Who um, told you that? They lied. Okay. Um, they have a big green chair, which if you look on our socials, we posted about because that's the that's a big attraction. We enjoy it. Uh, we managed to get all of the um, media there, the English media who are covering pretty much all of them, uh, to, to come for a little 
trip to the big green chair and we all sat in the big green chair and had a photo. So that was nice. Well, it looked really cute. There was a photo of you sat there from like 20 years ago when you were hey, how old? You're like 20. 10. 10 and years then like ago. now, I mean, you were sat there and you looked like a completely different person. It was obviously the emo phase, that kind of vibe. Yeah, you looked a little bit upset about some results. I, I was kind of a little bit upset at the fact that that was the only thing in Wolfsburg to mm. be looking at. But um, I, I found myself now, I'm, you know, obviously look so much cooler. <clears throat> Tumbleweed. Yeah. Uh, so, Wolfsburg, 2-2 Arsenal. Rage, you were there. Uh, Arsenal went 2-0 down within 25 minutes uh, with a few shaky errors at the back. Um, misplaced passes, poor decision making. I mean, this didn't look good early doors. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts? Do you know what? Right at the beginning, I, I was worried going into this after the Leah Williamson injury. And that's not to say, you know, that like obviously she's a very good player, but it's not like she is like the key player at Arsenal. And if she goes, everything falls apart. It's the it's compounded their injury crisis, and it just felt like they were really pulling themselves through all of these difficult injuries um, that they've had throughout the season. Obviously, you've got Beth Mead, you've got Vivian Miedema, you've got Lena Hurtig, who's hopefully close to coming back. Kim Little recently out for, announced she was out for the rest of the season. Caitlin Ford is still coming back from injury that she picked up before the international break. And now Leah Williamson. That's a long-ass list. And Leah Williamson was already plugging a hole in the Arsenal team because of Kim Little, right? So she's already doing a secondary job and now she's out. And it just felt like how much more, how many times can this team get knocked down and pull themselves back up again? Um, and that first 25 minutes, I kind of thought it's going to be a hammering because it took them a while to find their feet, I thought. They started out okay the first five, ten minutes, they were all right, but, it, you know, they just didn't look sharp enough. They didn't look like they were all on the same page. Um, I felt like Katie McKay was on a one-woman mission that she hadn't told anybody else about. Uh, I struggled at times to figure out what position she was playing because she mm. was just everywhere. Um, but totally different second half. So I I'd think I'd also like to pick up on that Katie McKay thing in terms of positioning. I felt that she could also double up as Arsenal's bodyguard because there sure. were it was aggressive. There yeah. were some aggressive moments there, and I thought, Kate, come on, you had a couple of moments like this in the WSL. Do we want to risk? You know, you're getting yellow red carded in this game. Do we want that? To, do we want to see that happen? It's really frustrating because, you know, we all admire kind of Katie McCabe's tenacity. That's what we like about her. She's, you know, tough cookie and um, puts in tough challenges. But there's also that there there are times in games as a professional, you would think where you're like, this is not the moment. It's head loss. And she was captain as well. And, you know, when I saw that happen initially, I was all the way over the other side of the pitch. And the way Oberdorf went down, oh my God, if Suman got done for simulation, Oberdorf's down there holding her face. <laughs> Like, please. Um, but equally, when I initially saw it, I thought to myself, she's going to get a red card. What a stupid thing to do in this moment. You've brought the game back and you're going to get yourself red carded and that's going to be another player that you're not going to have. Now, on reflection, when you look back, it obviously wasn't a red card. It was a yellow for both of them because it was a really bad tackle by Overdorf on Walty beforehand. Yeah, it was. But it's those things, like when you talk about the shift that Arsenal have had this season, it's their heads. Mm -hmm. It's their mentality. And... Arsenal of old, we've seen it where they'll go down, they'll be behind. We saw it against Wolfsburg last time. They just don't have it in them. They have the quality on the pitch, but they don't have it in themselves to pull themselves back. And they've been doing that this season. And that's what's been so impressive. You cannot afford to have these red miss moments. Not now, not when you're so close to a final. So hopefully that kind of thing gets tightened up because it's just unnecessary, isn't it? Well, she's... She's too experienced and she should appreciate how decimated the Arsenal squad is before making... Could you imagine if like, they were like, oh yeah, cool, now we don't have Katie for the next leg? I I mean, the backlash that she would get from the fans, from her own teammates and from Idaville would be absolutely killer. 
I just I don't know how you can not learn from what you've been, what you've been doing the WSL. I mean, you've come very close to that situation before. So, well, they were missing her for the United game, weren't they? Yeah. It's because just, of too many yellow cards. So. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I mean, also, I think we've got to touch on the fact, I mean, both Arsenal and Chelsea this weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about um, about Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's running uh, in a little bit, but both of them went to back fives. It seemed like a very defensive setup for both teams going into this fixture. Well, I thought Arsenal were 3-4-3, three, three, but they were having their kind of wingers come back a bit deeper because in the, in the beginning, I thought they weren't managing that three at the back well mm. at all because players seemed to be kind of out of position a little bit and it took them a little while to to figure it out. Um, understandably, Chelsea did that. Um, I would. I'd probably go like a back nine Seven, and just yeah, throw like least. Sam Kerr at the front and just <laughs> hope for the best. Um, but I do want to take this opportunity to give credit to Chelsea and Arsenal this season. It's a shame that they've both reached this level of the competition together mm-hmm. for the first time. And not that they're in the semi-final for the first time, but to be both in it for the um, in the semi-finals and are so laden down with injuries... Um, and they can't really offer a true showing of themselves, it for feels sure. like. But equally, credit to them for keeping themselves in these ties the way that they have. Um, they were huge mountains for the, them to climb. And I think that shows the growth in their character and in their mentality because we 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 always felt like there was a gap between um, Chelsea, Arsenal and the best in Europe. Mm-hmm. There still is in some respects when you look at the likes of Barcelona and, and Wolfsburg and that, but... That was a big thing for them to develop was the mentality, was the belief that they could do it. And I think both teams have shown that so far and it's not been easy. And I just think they deserve a huge amount of credit for that. Yeah, I mean, getting back into the game, that was an uphill battle for sure. Uh, showed a lot of resilience after losing, obviously, to, to Man United a few days previously and that being, obviously, the match in which Leah, Leah Williamson went down. Um, but, I mean, the last two months, Arsenal have come back from from behind against Chelsea in the Conte Cup final, Man City in the league and turned the tie around against Bayern after losing 1-0 in Munich. Um, I mean, we've previously labelled them as sort of unable to convert in the biggest matches. And do you think sort of something's changed, really, with yeah. them? And yeah. do you think that's a mentality? Yeah, Leah, Leah Volti spoke to us afterwards and Sophie kind of said to her like what has changed when you look back at when you played Wolfsburg last season and they lost 3-1 I think I think it was across the two legs and they just did, never really felt like they were in the tie you would not expect a t- Ars- the Ar- that Arsenal decimated with injuries to then be able to come back from 2-0 down mm-hmm. and she said it was their mentality like these injuries has, it sounds cliche, but it, it clearly has brought them together it as a squad. Teams. Yeah. It's like when you face hardship, I think sometimes it does pull you together. It's given them something else to fight for as mm-hmm. well. And um, Jonas Eideville spoke a lot about them being brave. He spoke a lot about their values of, of being, you know, giving 100%, believing in themselves and, and kind of being in the in the tie and, and giving their all. And, and, you know, I think they can be proud of the showing that they put out because in that first 25 minutes, I think we thought, we all thought that they were going to let the tie slip away from them. And mm. um, Jonathan Liu for The Guardian wrote a brilliant article uh, about the tie, but I, he, he picked up on something that was really quite interesting for a lot of teams at the moment that are struggling with injury is how that impacts you mm-hmm. when you're in a tie like this. And just a quote from it, he said, if you're a footballer in the midst of this maelstrom, perhaps the acuteness of your plight begins to bear on the decisions you make. Do you still make that long-busting sprint in the knowledge that this is a hundred an 180-minute tie and you will likely be required for all of them? Do you commit fully to the crushing slide tackle or do you limit the damage and jockey for position instead? Arsenal's first half here bore all the hallmarks of a team with the letters ACL resounding around their heads, still glum and still brooding, preoccupied above all with getting out of the game unscathed. That was pure poetry. It's such a good article. And wow. It's, it's, there was a brilliant one in there where he spoke about 
you know, Katie McCabe's strength mm. and how she took a, a shot full full pelt into the face and after like, tw- you know, a few minutes of, of checks and, and making sure head injuries and et cetera, et cetera, the ball was deemed okay to continue. And I just thought the that was <laughs> <laughs> so good. But it's just such an interesting factor that maybe we don't consider when players are in matches like this. You're coming to the tail end of a mm. season. You're coming to the tail end of this competition you so desperately want to win. Thinking about the World Cup as well. And you've got the World Cup. Like, how players do that, I don't know. Do you live in the moment or are you thinking beyond? Like, it just must be such a difficult thing to to juggle. I think it's your priorities, isn't it? I think for, you know, someone like Arsenal and Chelsea, they've had so many competing priorities this year um, with the Champions League, FA Cup, Conti Cup, World Cup. There's just a lot to think about. But I think, you know, it gets towards the end of the season. You do have these kind of cliche phrases, you know, every game matters, every game's a final, that kind of thing. And and I think it does resonate with you. I mean, you have all these kind of, um, you know, quotes and things that are on walls that the, the team seem to get behind each other a little bit more because everyone is tired everyone is lagging everyone needs a break everyone's worried about getting an injury same with the European teams absolutely yeah and it just get it does get a lot I mean you do find that you know towards the end of the season you will start to have people who struggle a little bit with their mental health because the pressure and the demands of it are so bloody intense and you're so worried about potentially missing a major tournament absolutely it's well, had such an interesting Dynamic. Yeah, and maybe we haven't thought about that when we've talked about, you know, multiple competitions back to back to back. We probably haven't factored in the mental side of it for players when they're in, you know, they want to win everything. They're playing Mm. for good teams. They want to do well. And in the back of your mind, you know, like you look at Ireland, their first ever major tournament when Katie McKay went down. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what a lot of, you know, Irish fans thought when they saw that. When Lucy Bronze went down in the Barcelona game, I think we all thought like, oh, Jesus, do we even Don't. go out to Australia? Don't even. You know, and I just can't imagine how it is for players. Well, we'll touch on this a little bit. We're going, we are going to talk a little bit about Leah Williams's injury and the scare that that was produced for everyone uh, in terms of what uh, the, the new Lionesses squad will look like. And I say new because it's um, it's very much looking very reformed at the back. Um, but I mean, Arsenal faring, I mean, in the second leg going into this game, uh, 50,000 tickets sold now for the Emirates. Incredible work. Incredible work by the PR team at Arsenal, the marketing team, the commercial team. Unreal. Um, they yeah, do great work with the fans, away fans as well. Um, a shout out to, there was a great Arsenal contingent in Wolfsburg. Um, you know, I spoke to a, a German Arsenal fan who said that last year when Arsenal played Wolfsburg, they had like 50 of them in a WhatsApp group. And now they have 591, I think, in the WhatsApp group. And they've got all these like splinter groups now. They've got the groups that sing. They've got the groups (laughs) that are into, you know. And I just, it's so good to capitalise on that. We need, we're going to need more of that as teams, you know, more teams get into the Champions League, new teams get into the Champions League and go further in the competition. And, you know, I've been at uh, pre-match meetups um, I think it was Leon where Arsenal actually put some money behind the bar for Oof, the fans I might become an and Arsenal came fan. to visit visit them before the match and I just think that's such a touch um, so it made for a really really great atmosphere uh, and I hope to see more of that well, we will see what happens. Uh, alarmingly for the Gunners, Alexandra Pop might also oh, be God. back. Um, not great. No, they not great like for them. Peor and Jan's dot here. She's one of my favourite players. Um, the Icelandic. She was really good during the Euros and she was fantastic at the weekend as well. Um, you know, let's not deny Wolfsburg are a serious, serious threat. Um, do you know before? Before the injury, the Williamson injury, I thought, okay, maybe Arsenal have it in them, having seen how they played against Bayern. After the injury, I thought, okay, maybe Arsenal don't have that in them. Maybe they're not going to get to the final. After the match now, I'm like, okay, they still have a chance. Mm. They're still in this tie. The same with Emma Hayes. Still being the tie for the second leg for both of these teams is an incredible achievement. 
Well, that's a beautiful segue because I think we've got to talk about Chelsea Barca. I mean, things that went slightly pear-shaped. Get it, Rach? Get it? <laughs> I had a challenge at the start of this pod to see if I could use the word pear and there it is. There was a reason for that. I didn't just randomly give her a word. I didn't just like pick up a dictionary and like just find a random word. We should do that. No. Next week, next week. Absolutely not. I mean, context to that is apparently on Insta, uh, you can use the pear shape to show that you are single and open to DMs. It was a weird little story. Backstory. Anyway, we digress. Um, Chelsea, it looked like it was going to be a moment of deja vu for everyone. Flashbacks, flashbacks. It was a lot. You could see the entire stand, a big indraw of breath when that goal went in in the third minute and everyone thought, Jesus Christ. Here we go again. This is it. This is it. It's going to happen again. And there was silence. It was just silence. But I mean, in terms of how Chelsea had set up, obviously they'd, they'd gone five at the back, but and they were sort of doing well in the opening minutes to kind of keep things at bay. They looked a little bit like they were on the front foot. And then all of a sudden, Caroline Graham Hansen decides to absolutely nail one in the coffin with this beautiful long range curling strike, takes it right past Berger. There was nothing she could have done about that. Um, Such a beautiful goal. And when you think back to how they conceded in the 36 seconds or something mm. in the final in 2021 against Barcelona so they're two and a half minutes better than last yes the, yeah. and that goal was like a shambles it was it kind of like was a clearance that hit Melanie Lloyd Pulse and went oh it's it? an awful goal <laughs> at least this one you could just kind of stand back and be like I mean fuck credit. that was amazing yeah yeah, absolute credit um, but the, I think the main takeaway point from that game was that Chelsea didn't then sort of capitulate to the whole situation think oh we've got one down and that's how the game's going to go obviously not a great result for them in the scheme of things but like you said Emma Hayes still feels that they're back in it and I think you know they did have Buchanan out they did have Bright out obviously Kirby's out You know, Harder's mini- only just back Harder's only just back literally got seven minutes or something so I do think in, in the scheme of things I think they defended relatively relatively well. I mean, especially in the first half, I mean, Bon Matty didn't get a lot of the ball, creeped into the game a lot more in the second half. But I think, um, you know, Barcelona did make it difficult. They had great rotation of players. They were creating triangles all over the field. Classic them with Bon Matty, Bronze uh, and Grant Hansen. Um, but yeah, I think there was a key point for me that I picked up on. Was it about 15 minutes in that they were coming under a bit more of a press from Barca? Katrinberger goes down. I don't think for any reason oh, other than... Usual. It, it, but it was a. Zinsberger did it as well. It well, was they a had necessary a moment. It was a necessary moment okay. because I think from then, from that 15th minute, when Emma Hayes took all the players to one side, obviously she the said, keeper. Don't concede anymore. Don't fucking do it anymore. And they were like, oh my God. This is what we're supposed to do. Genius. I just. Emma Hayes, if you'd have just said this 15 minutes ago, Graham Hansen wouldn't have scored that. <laughs> oh. Gosh. That was the moment for you? That was the moment for me that I thought Emma Hayes tactically um, pulled it a little bit more together. I think um, first half, uh, Barcelona had 60% of the possession. The starting or opening like five or 10 minutes of the second half, it did look a lot more evenly matched. I think it went up to about 49% for, for Chelsea in terms of possession. Passing stats also increased. Uh, and then we obviously saw Lauren James come on for, for Wrighton. I think, again, Emma Hayes trying to produce a little bit more of an outlet for that, take the pressure off the back line and try and at least have Lauren James fly up and down those wings, making sure that she's sort of, I don't know, just getting it away from the goal pretty much. But yeah, what were your thoughts on the game? I think they had a good 20-minute spell in the first half as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, they had a goal disallowed for offside, which was a lovely move. I know Sam Kerr was slightly offside for it. Um, Guru Wrighton had it in the back of the net and she did it again uh, a Mm -hmm. few minutes later. Um, But I think, was it the goalkeeper saved? I can't remember what it was. But, you know, there were glimpses, there were opportunities. And part of me is starting to wonder, is that why Chelsea 
it's going to be partly because of the injuries they have. But has mm-hmm. the, is that why they've been playing a little bit more of a lob it up front and get Sam Kerr on the ball? Have they been practicing yeah. for Barcelona? Because there's no point trying to go out and play against Barcelona and try and beat them for possession and mm-hmm. passes. It's just not going to happen. You no. know they're going to have more of the ball. Um, so tactically, I kind of felt like the game plan was to, to go out there and stay in the tie. And mm-hmm. if they can get a goal on the counter, great. Yeah. But, you know, not the the biggest thing was after, especially after conceding that early goal, was not to concede any more, more than it was to score. Is that massively? I just feel like, you know, there's no point trying to, especially in the first leg, trying to outdo Barcelona. You need to save that for the final 10 minutes in Camp Nou. <laughs> yes. But I think there was, what I saw was a comfortability out of possession. They knew, yeah, Chelsea knew that they weren't going to have a lot of the ball, but they looked comfortable in that. They I, didn't. It wasn't like they were continuously, you know, oh, we need to get it back. We need to yeah. win it back. We need to just be calm. Yeah. We need to stick to our own game plan and we need to just, we need to just let it be. Don't run ragged after the ball. I think Serena Wiegmann did that really well with England when they were playing against Spain is to be comfortable with the fact that you're not going to have a lot of possession and that's okay. It doesn't mean, possession doesn't win you games, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big, It was. it's, you can't make mistakes against Barcelona if you no. want to win um, and you can't try and, beat them at their own game and I think yeah you're right Chelsea did that quite well they were comfortable with the fact that they weren't going to have possession it was just about limiting the chances and to be fair Barca did have other chances but mm-hmm. I think Chelsea's somewhat makeshift defence with um, Maren Mielda and Magda Eriksson together who've done well Jess Carter yep. like you have to say when you look back at her Credit. in 2021 what a like she really demonstrates yeah how far Chelsea have come in these last couple of years I thought well, she's she was got a really lot good. to prove now especially yeah. now she's stepping up with the England squad yeah. um yeah no I thought I thought the back line did amazingly well some quality emergency defending I think they did look very tired and I can understand why Barcelona were coming on very heavy in yeah. the uh, the end of the second half leggy. so they did look a little bit sluggish but they had been doing a great job keeping them at bay and, and limiting those chances. Ericsson and, and Mielder especially. Mielder, the covering work that yeah. she was doing, I thought was astronomical. Just Incredible. Phenomenal stuff. Um, but Just I mean, the small matter of Camp Nou. Yeah. Can they find their, their tune? Can they be sing from the same hymn sheet at the Spotify Camp Nou? Uh, so I had a look at the track record of Barcelona. It's not, it's not good for Chelsea, is it? <laughs> uh, the last four games they've played there, they've never scored less than three goals. Uh, so they had the match in March against Roma. That was 5-1. December, it was against Rosengard, which fine, 6-0. And that was against Bayern in November. That was 3-0. And then in August, it was Montpellier. Fine, that was a friendly, 6-0. So Chelsea need to score four goals is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? I do think it's going to be a case of, again, keeping it tight for as much of the game as possible. Yes. And a 1 0 deficit is not, that's not you're out of the game. That no. is very much you've got a lot to play for. And I think Hayes, everyone knows that Champions League is what she wants. It's what she wants more than anything else in the world. World peace, no. <laughs> Champions League title, yes. Do you think she'll start, James? Uh, I, I don't no. Yeah. I think she'll bring James on as an outlet when people start to get tired at the back. Yeah. Again, like the same the same tactics that she had in this game. I think James is someone who will take the ball up for you. She will razzle dazzle you, maybe produce I mean she did I don't think she had that many chances. She had one that was a really soft take. Um but I don't yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. I think it's gonna be the same game plan again, try and get up to Kerr and hope that Kerr works yeah. her magic. I think um, she doesn't offer enough defensive cover, Lauren James, but we might see more of Pernilla Harder. Hopefully. And that could be a huge, just that key between defence and mid and, and forwards, that midfield flair that she can pick out. She can see things like mm-hmm. three passes ahead. So she could be a big change. Yeah. Big game changer. All right. All right. Well, you called it. You called it. Oh, no, I haven't called it. I'm just hoping they stay in the tie for as long as possible and 
work some magic. Just four goals for you, Peniel. Uh <laughs> No big ask at all. Um, I think we've got to briefly just breathe a collective sigh of relief over the fact that Lucy Bronze is in fact oh, fine. I mean, it was a heart in arse moment, wasn't it? When you... Again, last time you had your heart in your arse was what? Like, was, uh, was it the Spain game or something in, at the Euros? Yes, I think it was. It was just, um, it was, it was just the, the pain of seeing. I, I must, if I was Serena Regman and I was watching that game and I saw Lucy Bronze go down, I'd be thinking, hand in my resignation. Let's process. just pull out. Yeah, let's just call it a day. Let's just wait for Paris next year. It, we've done the Euros. Okay, we can ride off the success of that for another year, can't we? All right. <laughs> There's no point. There's just no point. Let's protect the players. Cool, Hans. You get better. Have your surgeries. Do your rehabs, and then we'll just reconvene. In Paris. So I was speaking at this um, event on Saturday. So I wasn't actually at the Barcelona match. And when I came back to my phone, which was just into the second half, so I'd seen like a good 20 minutes of the first half, I got a message from myself and I was like, how did it go? Mm-hmm. And the next message was like, Lucy Bronze, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, what? I don't have the match. What? What's happening? And then like the other chats started going off like, oh my God, Lucy Bronze, she's, put- no, she's not putting weight on it. She's crying. She's hopping down the tunnel. And I was just like, not again. Oh my God. Not again. I can't be doing this. No. It just, it was just, um, it was too soon. It was too soon. Yeah. It was just panic stations yeah. first off. And thank God she did come back out. She did go and sit on the bench. She had some ice wrapped around her knee. It, I mean, she was up and about and she was shaking hands with the players after the game. Barca so said she was fine. Yes. There's a reason her middle name is Tough. Is it actually? It is actually. Google Lucy, it. Lucy Tough Bronze. Yep. Okay. Well. Don't tell, don't tell us that we don't tell you anything new on this podcast, okay? Pure facts and figures from us. Um, I'm going to say facts and fiction. <laughs> <laughs> some of it's fake, some of it's true. We don't do fake news here. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
Well, we're back to the WSL uh, this weekend. Uh, we've got a four-horse title race, uh, and it has been that way for quite a few weeks now. We just don't know who is going to pip us at the post. I just feel like that Man United win over Arsenal maybe just puts Arsenal back a few furlongs. I don't know horse racing. Is that Does that make sense? No. Okay. Not a clue. You know what I'm getting at. I just feel like Arsenal are kind of... It's, it's, it's going to be a bit more of a struggle for them as if it wasn't already. If this was the Grand National... Arsenal have hit a couple of hedges recently. Their odds would be slightly worse. Yes, I okay. would say. I think the Leah Williamson injury, the Kim Little injury. The loss to Man United. The loss to Man United. The the Wolfsburg incredible comeback. And also their plane setting on fire, I would say also. Who has put a hex on this team? Tell me. I don't has know. Has Eidevel crossed the path of a black hat? What the fuck is going on? I can only assume Emma Hayes' new member of staff is some kind of witchcraft voodoo type thing. And it is purely focused on Arsenal and debilitating them. Okay, I know we said we don't do fake news, but that is absolutely fake news. I don't want that getting out and us spreading the rumours, man. No. Because then we'll be next. Or heard it here first. <laughs> um, Spurs were pegged back by our, uh, Aston Villa this weekend. 3-3. Brighton lost to Liverpool 2-1. I mean, <sighs> Brighton. Brighton, Brighton, Brighton. Brighton, Brighton, Brighton. Come on, guys. Come on. Three games in eight days, man. It's a lot. It's a lot for them. And Melissa Phillips has done her absolute best. I mean, I just feel there's a different mentality with Brighton at the moment. And I do think, actually, they're getting out of that relegation zone. I I mean, I don't... I I think Leicester. I mean, they're at the bottom anyway, but I think Leicester are um, are their goners. Uh, And guttingly, Reading lost to Everton 3-2 after being 2-0 up. Um, Arsenal will have a crucial say. They play Leicester on May 5th and Brighton on May 10th. I think also Liverpool have a lot to say about the fixtures at the end of this season. Uh, they face Chelsea, Man City and Man United in uh, in three of their last five games. So I think um, Liverpool could be the new unsettlers, maybe. We thought it was Aston Villa, but actually Liverpool, you might be holding all the power here. Possibly, but just going back to those games you read out and those f- results, what's wild is that in all of those games, Spurs, Brighton and Reading all led Mm. So when you're trying to watch these while covering the match over in Germany, you're like, oh my God, like things are going down. Like this is crazy. And then you, you go back like 20 minutes later and like, oh, no, everything's no. gone. No, same old, same and old. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who do you think is going to go down now? I mean, we've got what, five games left of the season. I am worried for Reading. I am. Um, yeah. And I haven't been all season. I've thought that they could do it. And I think, you know, leading 2-0 against Everton says a lot about them. But it's just their consistency that worries me. And, you know, Leicester, Leicester are a funny one. I just think when they've gotten some momentum, then we've kind of had gaps in fixtures and it's it's hard for any of these teams to really gain any kind of momentum, which must be so frustrating. So after all this, when I thought it was Brighton, it looks more like Leicester, but Reading, man, you're awful close. I think Leicester. You can see over the edge there, Leicester. Uh, Reading's, you know, stay away. Leicester are off the edge. They're sort of hanging onto that cliff with like, what, the pinky? Yeah, and, and Reading are just kind of looking down going, oh, Jesus. And They're then just about to like tread on the Brighton the are like desperately running the other direction, but it's windy. And it's, <laughs> it's pushing them back. <laughs> Any moment now, you can go straight What a weird over. analogy we've got here. <laughs> and then in the far distance of this big field where the cliff is, you've got the horses running, right? The four of them. Oh, the, my, the imagery that's coming out of this pod today is and then, unreal. And then you just got all the other teams just like sitting and having a picnic in between. <laughs> 
chilling. We're done now. We We're are just fine. waiting for the break. Um, in the second tier, Bristol City have won at the championship. Yay. Congratulations, Bristol City. Welcome back. Uh, they've been top for the last eight rounds and confirmed the title after a 4-0 win against Charlton on Sunday. Absolutely emphatic scenes. Um, the only annoying thing. Go on. We were going to go to Birmingham, Bristol next mm-hmm. week, which we're at the weekend, which we are. It and, means so uh, much now. Yeah. That was why we're like, oh my God, this could be, we could have the winner. This is so exciting. Let's make sure we can get to this fixture and it's going to be such a, no. But at least you don't have to go there anymore. Oh, it's still going. Oh, you're still going? It's going to go and say hey. Oh, that'll be an interesting game. Nothing riding on it. Yep. Um, I mean, what we have come out, or what the news that has come out after the uh, after the, the promotion news uh, has been sorted, uh, they've been more closely integrated with the men's side this season. Uh, they'll be training, well, they have been training at the High Performance Centre and they'll be playing at Ashton Gate next year. Good. Brilliant. That's exactly how it should be. Another one. I've got nothing more to say on that. Excellent. Congrats, Bristol. Doing the right thing. Okay, big news. Big, big news. Big, devastating, sad, heartbreaking news. Uh, Leah Williamson, uh, obviously pulling up in the Manchester United WSL game earlier last week, uh, the midweek fixture. Um, I mean, Idaville prior to that fixture had been saying it is a little bit unfair that we face uh, Man United in this game. Uh, and then obviously going into the Wolfsburg fixture at the week- weekend, Chelsea didn't have the same uh, route. Um, I mean, it was pretty clear from the moment that she went down. It was uh, pretty harrowing to watch, actually. It definitely felt that she knew from yeah. the second that it happened. Yeah. Um, a very minor collision with, with Katie Zellum, but as soon as her head hit the ground, you know, she was raising her hand, uh, thumping the ground with her fist and calling for the medical team. And I think um, the, the whole of the, the nation's hearts just just sank. It was um, it was horrible. Yeah, I think we're all becoming very, very sick of seeing this sight and also feel like... Most of us are becoming experts at knowing when a player goes down a certain way, what injury that they have um, faced. And it's just the most gutting. And, and like, yes, for the player specifically, but just widely the women's game, you're just like, oh, another one? Seriously, mm. another one? Um, I know Jonas tried to say stuff about the pitch after. He's gaining the nickname Monus at this stage. But um, <laughs> uh, he tried. I'm not going to claim that. I've I heard that somewhere else. I'm not going to claim that joke. So don't come for me on Twitter. Um, you know, he said to be on the pitch and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, mate, like two of your best players did their ACLs in the Emirates pitch. Mm. So it's, you know, it can be a factor. It's one of many factors. And if you go back and listen to our ACL episode, um, where we spoke to uh, Dr. Emma back in November. Mm. Um, she touched on the fact that it's a number of different small things. It's like, you know, a collection of small things all go wrong at the same time. You know, there can be, it can be a tackle or it can be the way you've planted your foot. And, but there's just so many different factors that can go into it. Um, and I think that was probably the case of what we saw. And I just think for it to happen so early in the game, you could just see the impact it had on her team as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Katie Zellum was around her. The you know when the opposition team is around you, you know it's bad. Yeah, um, but I think yeah, it it just seemed like um, and, and I think on a personal level, it that was the most heartbreaking because you could just see everything that she was thinking about in the future just slipping away in that moment. And I think we touched on before just just at the start of the pod, sort of the mental impact that that can have on players. I mean, Leah posted a, a ridiculously heartfelt um, Instagram post uh, a couple of days after after the um, ACL had been confirmed. And she said, you know, you've walked onto the pitch. Uh, she's always had a physical and mental question mark over her. And to be honest, I, I hadn't seen too much of the uh, the question over her mental health. To me, she's 
always come across as a very resilient, confident leader. But she um, did speak about when she was out with her, I think it was her ankle injury, injury earlier in the season, she kind of talked about how much that benefited her mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, what You know, as we've talked about, loading and all of that kind of stuff. And I think when you've, you've come from that high of the Euros, mm-hmm. I mean, I've felt it as someone working in the media. I don't know how the players feel about it, but like your emotions are kind of all over the place and you've come from such a high and then you're like straight back into WSL and you're kind of, there's not a lot of processing time and yeah. So it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was good that she spoke about that for sure. I mean, um, another part of the post sort of references the day to day of what she's going to be going through that's going to be the most draining for her, and um, I think that can resonate with a lot of people, especially going through long term injuries. I mean, it's the isolation. It's she knows the process. She's going to be going to the same ACL specialist that that Viv and Miedema are going through, maybe same knee specialist as um as Kim Little as well, and. And I think it's the isolation of having to now watch from the sidelines. I mean, I'm assuming she'll probably still go out to Australia uh, and be with the squad and be that support network for them all. Um, Potentially, I don't know what, you know, I imagine she's going to have an operation soon and what the recommendations are after an operation when it comes to long-haul flights. I There's something about Leah that just feels like she's going to go. She'll, she'll probably she will drive. push yeah. for that, um, if not run she just seems like that kind of player do you like know she what just will go for a brick wall for them when we talk about isolation Arsenal are quickly becoming a club that doesn't have a lot of isolation when it comes to injury because there's so bloody many of them well yeah I mean it's pretty much half the squad now isn't it so you've got more people actually doing ACL and rehab than you have in the actual starting 11 um, <laughs> I mean it's such a sad state of affairs but I think um no, I really feel for her. And it was it felt like a national day of mourning across uh, pretty much the whole of the women's football community. It, it wasn't nice news to break. Um, obviously, now my my new role, I was thinking about, OK, well, how do we get this out there and what happens? But the the biggest part of me was, oh, my God, this is um, the, the devastation of it all. I, I really felt it. I was, I was quite tearful, actually. I was quite emotional. It reminded me of when Alexia Pateas did hers, like, the day before the Euros. Yeah. And you just feel like, oh, women's football's robbed of another great talent and it's just so frustrating it's so frustrating for her and just like wider women's football fans you know like you don't want to see anybody get an injury like that it just it's such a, a long-term devastating injury um and I can't imagine like when you think Leah being a captain right she's about to captain her team to a world cup when you look at like Pernilla Harder went down mm-hmm. I think she like tore her hamstring or something with her hamstring back in November I think it was a November international break she's meant to be going out there captaining her team mm-hmm. finally at a World Cup you know and you kind of think the added emotion like those injuries are bad enough as it is the added emotion of having something like that taken away from you must be so hard to deal with and that's something that was spoken about on our podcast as well as the kind of the importance of the mental side of it and the, the support mm-hmm. they get mentally around injuries like that um, but it's also, I mean, it's an injury that affects the competitiveness of these tournaments and the and the and the, the domestic leagues as well. I mean, with having so many key star players out, you could be going into the tournament. Say, for example, if and I, you know, say this, touching the all the wood on the desk. Uh, say, for example, someone like Sam Kerr gets an ACL in the lead up to to the World Cup. I mean, that impacts everything to do with the Matildas. It impacts game plan. It inter- impacts strategy. It impacts recruitment. I mean, every single ACL injury. It, it completely diminishes the competitiveness because you're not seeing the best of the best in that country anymore. You're seeing the second best of some of these positions. So 
it's um it's a lot and I think we need to look at now who's going to be stepping into that back line we've got so many concerns now about Millie Bright she's going to be out for at least a few weeks she's having a knee wash out um, obviously Alex Greenwood will be coming back hopefully obviously she just had the, the, the recent concussion now we've got Leah Williamson out that back line looks very very different from the one envisioned by Serena a couple of weeks ago yeah and I've seen questions around Serena Wiegmann's rotation which I can understand um, because there hasn't been a huge amount of rotation, particularly in, in areas like that. Um, and then, but, but equally, you then have to look at how little time there's been between major tournaments to allow that kind of rotation. And it's a hard one to juggle. It's a hard, you kind of, it's a bit of a putting your eggs in one basket and, and, it, and either way it could kind of backfire a little bit. And I think we're maybe seeing that in that we haven't seen that much rotation in the back line um, and not allowed that many players to have international minutes ahead of a major tournament and I think we will potentially be seeing players go into a major tournament for the first time in, and starting in quite key positions. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very, very keen to know what's going on at Millie Bright. Um, yes. I'd really like to know if she's going to make it um, and I can't, like part of me feels like if she knew she wasn't she'd have said it by now mm-hmm. so I'm taking great comfort from the fact that it's not that's not been announced. Well, this is a massively new challenge for Serena because those two games, that the two friendlies that they've just had should have been her opportunity for her, for nailing her starting eleven. We know that she likes consistency. We know that she likes the same starting eleven. We know that she likes to bring on impact subs in and around sort of half time or just shortly after. But it completely changes Serena and how she's going to have to game manage this whole situation. So I think um, we talked about challenges that Lionesses face during games, going down, resilience, penalty shootouts, that kind of thing. But this is a new experience thing for Serena now with, with the Lionesses. But she's always spoken about having. A plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, how she plans for every eventuality, whether she's planned for this many bloody injuries, I don't know. But like in Serena, we trust and I'm going to continue doing that because, you know, she is a very, very good manager. She has a bit of time while it's not on the pitch, but she Mm -hmm. has a bit of time off the pitch to maybe do some reshuffling. And you're going to see some players getting more minutes now Mm -hmm. because of these injuries. So Lotta Wobben-Moy is going to probably play more because of the injury to Leah Williamson. So that allows her to get key minutes and key minutes in big games. Mm -hmm. All of these games matter now that she's going to be playing in. So that will help as well. Um, But yeah, it's it's worrying. Do we think Steph Horton is going to make a magical appearance from the shooting herself in the foot type situation um, of the past couple of weeks. Uh, She was quite vocal um, publicly about her non-selection in the Lionesses squad. Uh, It got a little bit hairy, a little bit tense, Steph. Um, Called out, called out Serena. And that's uh, that's something you can't really do. She is the nation's icon. Um, Yeah, but now, I mean, we are lacking. We're lacking on the defensive line and we're lacking someone who has experience at a major international tournament. Yeah. So... Is Steph getting the call up? I don't know. I mean, you're right, though. We are lacking in that experience, that, you know, World Cup experience, that leadership experience. Um, The difficulty is, if there was maybe more camps in between now and the World Cup, then potentially it's something that would be explored and that you've got time to... I mean, yes, obviously Steph has played for England a lot already, but no, she doesn't really know that coaching setup that well. She hasn't played with some of these players at international um, that much. So... Potentially, if there had been more camps between now and the World Cup, then maybe she will be brought back in and kind of reintegrated back into the squad again. I don't know whether Wiegmann is willing to risk that. Like, I'm not sure we're going to see many players who haven't already been in the England setup 
brought in mm. under Wiegmann. So I'm not sure. Well, pending. We'll have to wait and see. That that squad won't be announced for quite some time now. Um, but, I mean, we will obviously keep you updated. As soon as we hear, you guys will hear. It will be all over social media, no doubt. Um, Rach, where are you going to be this weekend? What are you up to? I am in Barcelona on Thursday. Nice. Camp Nou for the big one. Uh, and then what have I got? I think I've got Spurs on Saturday. Lovely. And then I'm doing that Birmingham-Bristol game on Sunday. And then we've got Riveting. the Emirates on Monday. Lovely. Lots of football. I will see you at the Emirates uh, on Monday. Um, Yeah, it should be a really tasty little game, actually. 50,000 fans there plus. It's going to be quite a crowd. Um, This day next week, we're going to know who the finalists are. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Chelsea scoring four goals at Camp Nou? I can't. And then Arsenal coming back from... uh, well, not even coming back from, just getting a just getting a goal. They just need one goal, don't they? And then to keep a clean sheet for this one, and then that's it. Easy. Easy. Jobs are good in, guys. Come I hope on. they listen to this pod, because then they'll know exactly what to do. An All-England Champions League final in Gothenburg. Bring it on. We'll go over there. We'll do a live one, for sure. Um, it's going to be so sad if it's barcelona Wolfsburg because we'll be like, oh, sorry, guys. No, we I'll still e- be there. But... We won't even cover it. Um <laughs> It'll just be like a blackout, like a 3pm uh, Premier League blackout on that game. Uh, I'll be with Palace. It's the last game of the season. We're in the derby against Charlton, which is always a bit of a tasty one. Um, but obviously with Bristol City taking the top spot and unfortunately Coventry taking the bottom spot, uh, it's all to play for in the uh, the midsection. Uh, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront. If you've got any questions for us, please tweet us at Football Ramble, Rachel's at Girls on the Ball and I am at Morgie underscore 89. We will see you next week. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.